The reading this morning is from Ephesians, chapter 3, beginning to read at verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So today we have the privilege of having a guest speaker, so may I invite Richard Weston to come up and join us. Richard and his wife Catherine have been long-term mission partners with us, so uh, for those that might not know, would you like to explain a bit more about that please, Richard? Yes, well we, our connection with St Paul's goes back 55 years when Catherine's family moved here. We were married here and uh, we're very grateful to the church for having cared for us as mission partners for the best part of 35 years. Uh, it's down to you that we're able to do what we do, so big thank you. Um, <clears throat> if you were to come to our home and have a look at our visitors book, you would find hundreds if not thousands of names of people from more than 120 different countries. Most of them are students, students who've come as international students from those countries to study at one of the two universities uh, in Oxford. What you might not know about these students is that many of them come from places where the church is very small or non-existent and many of them have never had an opportunity uh, to learn of Jesus and so our job is both to welcome them, to share our home with them, to, to do Bible studies with them, share Christ with them if they become Christians or already Christians to prepare them for, for living for Christ back home. But more than that, our job is to equip local churches to do the same. So we do lots of training of volunteers. Uh, so that keeps us out of mischief. Thank you. Uh, and if you may have heard earlier, um, if you would like to find out more about what Richard and Catherine are doing, they are having a lunch here after this service at one o'clock in the lounge, and you'd be very welcome to join them. And I'm sure they'd be delighted to enlighten you more about this uh, ministry that they have. Um, may I pray for you before... You Father, we thank you for Richard and for Catherine and their ministry with the international students at Oxford. We pray that you would continue to bless their work and draw more people uh, to them that they can help. And Lord, as Richard speaks, may his words be yours. May you speak to us through them, Lord. Would they resonate within us? And uh, would you bless Richard as he speaks? Amen. Amen. Thank you. If you've got a Bible near you, it would be great if you could turn to Ephesians chapter 3 and to that passage that was read for us. <clears throat> Between the ages of 13 and 50, I did my best never to eat a beef burger. 
as far as I was concerned, they were disgusting. They were fit only for the pig's bucket. You see, at my junior school, beef burgers were served every Tuesday. Cheap, mass-produced burgers cooked for hours in a watery gravy, together with undercooked boiled potatoes. They were enough to put anyone off for life, and it nearly did. It took 35 years before I had the courage to try another one. Of course, now I've eaten the real thing, I'm really quite fond of them. And I look forward to my visits to the Rusty Bicycle, our local pub that serves freshly made and exceedingly tasty burgers. Well, as we've heard, today's Father's Day. We're going to have a brief look at what the book of Ephesians tells us about God as Father. But sadly, not everyone warms to the idea that God is Father. Their only experience of overbearing, indifferent, even abusive fathers makes them positively squirm at the idea of God as Father. But just as I was unwise to judge a true beef burger on the basis of the soggy, tasteless offerings of my school kitchen, so we would all be unwise to base our understanding of the fatherhood of God on poor examples of human fathers. Look with me at verse 14 of our passage and you'll see that human fathers should look to the fatherhood of God for their model. Paul says he kneels before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. God is the perfect model of fatherhood and we should judge human fathers in the light of his perfection, not attribute to him the failings of of lesser human fathers. So let's turn and have a look at what this short section of Ephesians tells us about this perfect model of fatherhood. And as we look at the text, we will discover that the overriding theme is that God the Father wants his children to flourish. He wants everything that will be good for them. Verse 14, Paul begins, for this reason. Well, obviously, he's referring back to what he's written before in the previous three chapters, where he has explained two very important ideas that lie at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. Firstly, God's plan of reconciliation, the way in which rebellious human beings who've turned away from God can be brought back into a living, dynamic relationship Uh, with God as was intended for us and he's done that by virtue of the cross the death of Jesus on the cross on our behalf so that we can be forgiven and reconciled to God so God's plan of reconciliation and secondly God's revelation revelation to Paul that this reconciliation he's been speaking about is now available not just to Jews but to Gentiles also that's the heart of chapter 2 Jew and Gentile alike, and their reconciliation with God in a vertical relationship inevitably involves reconciliation with each other in a horizontal dimension. God is in the business of creating one new family out of every tribe and nation. And so on the basis of what God has done and on what God has said, Paul's therefore confident to pray this prayer, knowing that what he's praying is in line with God's will. Therefore, knowing that this revelation of who God as Father is, is is true. He has confidence in that. 
And Paul kneels before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Paul's already referred to God as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ back in chapter 1. And in Paul's thought, Christians are those who are in Christ, in union uh, with Christ. And therefore, God is our Father too. He's the Father from whom every blessing flows. And he's the Father of the one family, the universal church. Although the NIV translates verse 15 as every family it would be better written as the whole family. The context of chapter 2 and the bringing together of Jew and Gentile has a focus of unity, of one multicultural family. In chapter 3, verse 6, we read that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. And so Paul's prayer is for the family of believers as we relate to one another, not just as individuals. God wants us to experience and enjoy his fatherhood in community and to do so in four particular ways. Firstly, strengthened with might. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. God created us to live in a dynamic, living relationship with himself. And as human beings, we function best when Christ is fully resident and welcome in our hearts, when we allow him to reign in our lives. Of course, our natural sinful tendency is to turn our backs, is to go our own way. But God the Father wants what's best for us and to bring us back. And so Paul prays that God's power will strengthen true faith in our hearts so that we might walk in true harmony uh, with him both now and always. Well, as well as being Father's Day, today's also Trinity Sunday. And you may have noticed we had some Trinitarian songs. Um, We've effectively sung the creed. But you'll notice here that this is a very Trinitarian prayer. Paul prays that the Father may strengthen believers with power through his Spirit so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. And this understanding of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit is also at the heart of Paul's next prayer, uh, next prayer request for the believers. It's rooted in love. Verse 17b, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Human beings were created relational beings and all of us in one way or another seeks community. We seek it in families, in sports or cultural clubs, in the workplace, even the homeless gathering together under a a railway arch. And we look for the security that that community brings, but we find it profoundly elusive. Elusive because community inevitably requires the giving up of some personal freedoms. Sociologist Sigmund Bauman says there's a price to be paid for the privilege of being in community. And the price is paid in the currency of freedom, sometimes called autonomy, or the right to self-assertion, or even the right to be yourself. Well, I think Bauman's only partly right Community does require giving up some freedoms. 
but not the right to be yourself. Because human beings are made in the image of God. And the God of the Bible is Father, Son and Holy Spirit loving one another. There is a selfless love of the other which is at the very heart of who God is. And therefore of who human beings, of whom we were intended to be. So as we're drawn into relationship with God through the gospel, we become more like him. And we discover that it is in giving up our rights for the sake of others to love them that we actually find our true selves, who we were made to be, and we become truly human. I think it's the Westminster Confession that states that serving God is perfect freedom. That's often we think that's a contradiction in terms, but with God it's not. It's in serving God and serving others that we find perfect freedom because that's who we were created to be. A young Canadian couple with two small children arrived in our church last autumn. James is an international student. He'd come to study for a PhD. But within just a few weeks of arriving, he was diagnosed with cancer. With his family and friends back in Canada, he and Audrey have discovered that the church is that family for them. The church has abundantly provided with the provision of meals and endless lifts to and from the hospital for treatment. People they hardly know rallying round because of the love that God has put in their hearts. A self-giving, other person-centred love that considers the needs of others before their own. The Church of Jesus Christ is to be family, a community of God's people where we discover freedom to serve one another and experience (coughs) the give and take of the glorious community for which we were made and of which God is the perfect Father. A community which brings together people from different races and cultures, from different educational and economic backgrounds and from different ages and stages of life. Now, of course, this side of heaven, of the new creation, that community will always be flawed. We remain sinful creatures. And that's precisely why Paul prays that we might be rooted and established in this kind of love. Rooted and established in love for others. Because that's what's best for us and that's what's best for everyone else too. But Paul wants much more than that. He wants us thirdly to know Christ's love. Verse 18 or the end of verse 17 he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ." And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. To fully grasp the extent of God's love, it's not possible on our own. We need God's help. And so Paul prays for his Ephesian brothers and sisters. And so we can pray for each other. uh, That we may have the capacity to grasp the amazing breadth of Christ's love. Paul's already begun to expound this love in chapter 2 when he describes God's loving action in providing salvation for us. But it will take God's spirit to help us to fully understand the height and depth and length and breadth of that love and its implications. 
And one vital way in which God's Spirit helps us to understand that love is through our brothers and sisters in Christ. You notice in verse 18, Paul says, it's only together with the Lord's holy people that we can fully comprehend God's love. And the Lord's holy people are Christians from all kinds of backgrounds. In our work with international students, we begin to see how different cultures can read scripture with different perspectives and we can learn things from them. I well remember a Chinese academic 30 years ago who'd never seen a Bible before in her life and we were studying John's Gospel together and suddenly she saw something in the text that I'd never seen before because she read it with fresh eyes, with different cultural background and so it brought the Bible alive in a new way as I read it with her and others. It's a humbling but exciting experience and a constant reminder for us all to be open to learning from others, however different they might be. Because everyone has something to offer and it's only together with others that we will truly know God and grasp the extent of his love. So those of you who have children, who teach children and young people, be ready to listen and learn from them as well. Uh, and all of us, whether we, whenever we engage with believers from other ethnic and cultural backgrounds, be alert for the gems of wisdom that we might learn from them. Then fourthly, the fourth focus of Paul's prayer is that we might be filled to God's fullness. Filled to God's fullness. What a remarkable request Paul's prayer, reflecting the Father's desire for us, is that we might be filled with the very fullness of God himself. In other words, that we might reach perfection, that we might be truly holy, always walking in step with his will. Or to put it another way, that we might become like Christ, being part of the divine family, enjoying perfect harmony with Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Again, that's only going to become a total perfect reality when we reach heaven. But Jesus did teach us to pray to the Father that his will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. Great prayer to pray for one another, that our lives might be filled with the fullness of God himself and that daily we might become more like him, showing his love and kindness to all around us with our hearts and minds focused on doing his will. As I conclude then, God the Father is committed to the flourishing, to the welfare of his children. Through Christ's selfless sacrifice on the cross, he's provided forgiveness uh, for our sins and brought us into his global family, a community of believers who can grow together in their understanding of his love and by the gift of the Holy Spirit to experience his life-transforming power. It's in his nature to love, to look outwards, to bless those he has created. And he withholds nothing from us that will be for our ultimate good, even when necessary, a little discipline. And he wants us to become like him, holding out that same word of life to others, desiring others to enjoy the blessing of being part of that family. Now it's a tall order. Our sinful hearts are prone to wander 
Too often we prefer our own ways. But God is more than capable of bringing to completion his plans and desires for his people. See how Paul ends his prayer, verse 20. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You see, God can and will do it. One way or another, however long it takes, our Heavenly Father will make us like Christ. So where does that leave us this morning? Well, if you're a believer, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will know how to pray for your brothers and sisters. You'll not be content with half-hearted following of Christ. You'll want to become like him, to devote yourself to being like your heavenly father, committed to both nuclear and church family alike in self-giving love, putting yourself out for the sake of others, extending that love to those who are not yet members of the family. And we'll want to do that because we'll want to be like our Heavenly Father. That's how he is. But if you're not yet a follower of Christ, may I urge you this morning to put your life in his hands. Whatever past prejudices you may have held, I pray you'll not let them... Go on forever shaping your attitude towards God. Like my experience with the beef burgers, it's foolish to reject the the real thing on the basis of poor examples. God the Father invites you to join his family today and to experience all the blessings he longs to pour on you. You don't have to earn his favour. That's impossible. You simply have to acknowledge your need Accept his gracious hand of forgiveness and new life and put your life in his hands. It's not always easy following Jesus in this life. We have to be prepared for hardship and opposition. God's word, God's ways are often in conflict with the world. And it may be costly to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Saviour in a world that hates him. But life in God's global family, enjoying relationship with the Father who knows us best and wants us to flourish, that's the only way to be truly human, to be the person God wants you to be. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good God, a Father who desires the best for his children, who wants us to flourish. And so we pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And we pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen.